This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, the premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America. Get a grip. Podcast number 101. On this episode, I have Mike Lukes and Jared Mack from Brant Agricultural Products on. And started talking to those guys uh, a while back here. We uh, here at at, uh, at 21st, we carry the uh, the Brant line of stuff as far as grain carts go and uh, uh, augers and those kind of things. So wanted to reach out to those guys and see if they wanted to be on the podcast and get their feel for what they see happening out there. So Mike and Jared, welcome to the podcast. Thanks yeah, for having us. Man, it's my pleasure. I'm glad you guys are on. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Mike, uh, give me a little background on yourself and how you ended up where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, spent the majority of my career with uh, Deer and Company and uh, then a variety of sales and marketing roles for them. Uh, I started off at their large tractor factory in Waterloo uh, for about five years up there. Uh, spent a couple years in the Kansas City area at their Ag Marketing Center in Olathe, Kansas, and then uh, two years out with some fantastic dealers in Illinois, so called on uh, some of the ag dealers in the northern and eastern Illinois and west central Indiana. And about uh, nine months ago, I had an opportunity to start up with Brandt, and I was really excited to do that because I get to keep working with fantastic John Deere dealers like yourselves, and uh, we've got a portfolio of ag equipment that's 100% complementary to what John Deere is offering, so I can feel good uh, working with John Deere dealers knowing that uh, we're helping each other out. Right on. So, Jared, that leaves you. Uh, tell me a little, bit, a little bit about yourself and, and how you ended up where you're at today. Sure. <clears throat> so, I... Uh, I started with Brandt. I've been full-time with Brandt as a TM in Nebraska, Colorado for about five years. And before that, I, I interned for the company for three summers while I was in college. And then uh, once graduation was coming around, uh, I was getting a little nervous. So I called called uh, Brandt and said, hey, I've been interned for you. You by chance have a job. And they sent me to Nebraska. So not quite as uh, diverse as Mike's, but uh, been pretty fortunate to be at Brant. They've been a really good company, and so that's some of my background. Right on. Okay, so Jared, on that topic, Dennis, so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, give me a little background on on Brant Agricultural Products and and what they are and, and who they are and, and kind of what the, the kind of the history of the company. Sure. So Brant uh, has been has been making grain augers for just over eighty years out of Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, and then probably about 25 years ago, Brant really looked to diversify instead of just making grain augers. Uh, and then we started we started with our grain vacs, and then it led to the the grain belts. Uh, then we got into grain carts, uh, baggers. Just really try to diversify and make as far as short lines go. We really just wanted to be a one stop shop. 
so our so our dealers just had to work with fewer companies. They had one rep, you know, one warranty process. So that's kind of what the the agriculture side, how it's evolved over the last eighty years. In addition to that, Brant's a really diverse company. They have uh, a company called Engineer Products, to where they they pretty much engineer everything. I mean, one-off projects, uh, a lot of tube like pipe handling equipment. Um, they also are in the the John Deere construction business. They have they're currently uh, I think like 29 or 30 locations all across Western Canada and a few in Eastern Canada. Um, they do some road rail business, uh, some power units. So they they convert some uh, think freight liners into towing or towing rail cars. So overall, Branch just uh, a really diverse company, um, but the agriculture uh, division is the oldest for sure. So that's just some some background on us. All right. So Mike, talk to me a little bit about what's going on here in the in the present day. Yeah, so uh, we've got a lot of really exciting things going on at Brandt right now. And, uh, you know, it all starts with people. So uh, we've strengthened our uh, sales force in the U.S. We've added uh, quite a few territory managers. We've got some Wiley veterans out there like Jared, but uh, quite a few that uh, have been with us somewhere between uh, six weeks and six months. Uh, We've got three region sales managers now. So I handle the uh, northwestern part of the U.S. We've got a person in Bloomington that handles the Northeast, and then uh, someone in Texas that handles the Southern U.S. Uh, We've also got uh, a a robust product planning team that uh, is really taking shape now to look forward to the future with uh, what uh, the ag market's going to need, what our our partner dealers like you are going to need moving forward. And uh, to support that growth, uh, we've also acquired two new factories here within the last 12 months. So uh, our original factory is in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. Uh, we've added a, a new factory uh, a couple hours north of there in Saskatoon. And then uh, first for Brandt uh, is actually some brick and mortar in the USA. So there's a, a manufacturing facility in Bloomington, Illinois, where uh, we make some of our ag products today and we'll continue to uh, grow our ag presence uh, moving forward. So that's really exciting for the, the U.S. dealers. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about the products that you guys produce. Yeah, so uh, on the on the ag side, uh, we make a full line of uh, augers, uh, both the uh, standard augers and uh, swing away augers. Um, we've got uh, a full line of grain belts from 35 feet up to 110 feet. So uh, both for loading out of bins into trucks and uh, out of uh, you know a truck or a grain uh, cart into your bins. <clears throat> we've got grain vats, uh, like Jared had mentioned. Um, grain bagging equipment, which has uh, been really popular this year. So uh, some, some trends we see in the marketplace there this year with that. And then also uh, a line of heavy harrows. And last but not least, our grain carts. So we've got a full line of carts from 850 bushels to 2,000 bushels, wheels, tracks uh, in green or blue in color. So uh, a wide variety to choose from there. One part of your product line that I've noticed that, I, that I'm very intrigued with is is the grain belt line that you guys carry. Talk to me a little bit about the grain belt and how do I, you know, kind of describe what it is, how it works, and, and how that's going to fit to my operation if I were a farmer. Sure. So I'll talk a little bit about just the benefits of grain belts and, you know, how they've grown with Brant. But essentially, grain belt is, you know, rather than moving grain with a flight in an auger, you're using it with a belt. 
And you get a couple of benefits of that as far as uh, it's a lot more gentle on the grain. We can typically get, uh, we can match or exceed the speed of an auger, uh, a lot less wear on the product. So uh, a belt will last quite a bit longer. And one of the other big things is horsepower. You can get really big bushels through these units with relatively low horsepower. Uh, you know, for example, we have a 110 foot uh, conveyor that can move 12,000 bushel an hour on just 100 horsepower. So right there is a huge benefit versus an auger, which might take you know anywhere from you know you know 180 to 200 horsepower to get get that capacity. We've really seen we've seen the 110 foot conveyors grow a lot lately with with uh you know not very favorable prices and guys want to store a lot more grain so we've had a lot of elevators doing a lot more it seems like a lot more bunkers than they have in the past so the the 110 foot and the 95 foot uh paired with our drive over deck which is also a belt we've seen a huge jump in those sales and just uh just because the volume's been so high on grain lately then another product for the belts that um, is actually Brandt's number one selling product is it's a 1547 belt. So it's a 15 inch belt and a 10 inch tube, 47 feet long. And what we're seeing is in, in our most popular one is, is gas powered and it has a, a hydraulic mover on it. So it doesn't matter if you're, uh, the benefits you can be, you know, 80 years old and you can move this, uh, this, this product in the yard you can load trucks you don't need anybody you don't need a tractor you don't need any extra hand to move it around so that that product has seen a lot of growth and having that mover we've had we've had a lot of guys that are going moving bulk fertilizer you know they've been moving that uh that product with the belt uh fill guys filling their air seeders with them it just they can fill their air seeder so much faster than the conveyor that that comes with the john deere uh, or or whatever air seeder so we just, it's a really diverse product, you know, like I said, fertilizer, filling air seeders, unloading bins, and uh, it's all self-contained. So that's been a really good product for us. We've seen huge growth in the Midwest, um, but the, that's just a product that we, 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 we think will continually grow, um, and, and we, it has been. So we're just looking forward to the future of the belts. We think, we think that's probably our biggest growth market. Right on. Right now. Okay. All right. So, Mike, talk to me a little bit about the grain cart side of your business. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Brandt has been in the cart business uh, for coming up on 10 years now, and that was driven by our dealers in uh, Western Canada that uh, were buying all this other grain handling equipment from us, and uh, they really wanted a uh, manufacturer that uh, could take care of the cart piece of that too right so between the combine and the bin uh the cart is obviously a very important piece of that so um, we've been evolving our portfolio uh over this last decade and uh so where we're at now we've got uh, 850 uh, bushels all the way up to 2,000 bushels uh, wheels or tracks we've got corner auger designs and also dual auger designs uh to fit your your market so um very, uh, very big market uh, in the U.S. and also in Canada, and uh, we've really done a good job of taking the market in Canada, and uh, we're going to take that success and uh, 
bring it to the U.S. And uh, I know you guys have had uh, a lot of success uh, moving the Brant carts this year already. Yeah, we have. I mean, the cart is one of those good addition to the to the brands that we carry and to the uh, overall um, portfolio that we have. I, I really think that the uh, the cart has a uh, it has a, a level of excitement that we haven't seen for a while. And, and some guys talking about this. So talk about some of the programs you have right now and some of the, uh, the things out there for the, for the end buyer. Yeah. So on all of our cards, we've got some pretty significant customer rebates. Uh, the uh, customer rebates we've branded as thanks a billion. So a few years back, uh, Brent broke a billion dollars in revenue. And uh, at that point, uh, the company um, made an initiative to give back. And so uh, one of the ways that we do that is through uh, customer rebates. When you buy a brand product, uh, there's some money that uh, goes back to the customer. So uh, in the case of grain carts, uh, we'll uh, rebate back up to $10,000 in uh, in the purchase of a cart. So on that uh, 2000 bushel model right now, our uh, Thanks a billion rebate is ten thousand dollars, so that's uh, that's pretty exciting in the marketplace. So when uh, not not a lot of guys are excited about the prices that they're getting on their grain, and things are a little tight to be able to uh, to get that kind of a rebate back. Well, that makes a big difference when you look at all the stuff that's going on out there right now. I mean, especially when you look at how you guys structure that rebate too. I mean, that rebate's going straight to the customer. It's not it's not like something that's funneled into the price or whatever. I mean, it's you're you're physically sending out a check for ten grand to, or up to ten thousand dollars on on the cars that you sell. Yeah, so that's a prepaid card goes straight to the customer. One thing we talk about on this podcast a lot is what we see happening out in the marketplace, and you guys see a lot of dealers. You cover a lot of territory, um, especially uh, you, Mike, covering the uh, northwest part of the United States, um, and and Jared, you're covering you know Nebraska and Colorado, so. Um, Michael, start with you first and kind of look at the macro level. Um, what do you see out there and, and, and what are some of the, uh, kind of the, some of the big challenges you see right now happening to, uh, dealers are having to deal with right now? Yeah. So, uh, Jared and I have been, uh, working a lot of farm shows here recently. It's farm show season, obviously. Uh-huh. And, uh, one of the, uh, key themes that we're seeing across uh, a lot of our geography is that there's a lot of bushels coming out of the fields. Uh, overall, looks like yields are going to be uh, somewhere between good and fantastic. So that means uh, you've got a lot of grain to deal with. Um, the prices haven't been stellar uh, in, in the recent uh, times here. And so guys uh, have a lot of bushels that they don't want to sell and they might be sitting on last year's bushels that they didn't want to sell. So uh, what are we going to do with uh, with all the grain coming in? Uh, so we've got, you know, a few different solutions for that. Uh, one, you fill uh, all the old bins that you hadn't been using before. So that means that maybe you don't have those center bin unloads in there. So you've got to have some way to get the, the grain out. So maybe you're going to flip into a transport auger or a grain vac to actually get that product uh, out of the bins in the spring here. Uh, the other option is uh, grain bagging equipment. So we make a uh, a line of grain bagging and unloading equipment. If you wanted uh, some temporary storage uh, on a a per bushel basis, that's pretty affordable. You might look into a grain bagger, be able to uh, put that uh, grain away right in the field without needing to take it to the elevator, without having to uh, take it to your bin site. And uh, from a logistics standpoint, it might make sense uh, to incorporate a grain bagger into your operation, you know, in the good times and the, the tough times. Uh, I've heard some stories about uh, some 
pretty significant operators in uh, Western Canada that run a dozen combines, and they bag every kernel of grain that comes out of their combine just to eliminate the trucking logistics in the fall. So they've got a a crew of guys that uh, run the combines and they bag everything and then they take that same crew of guys after harvest and start unloading it and moving it uh, to market and uh, keep their their labor more steady year round. So those are some of the uh, the key insights that, that I've been seeing this summer as we've been going around and visiting dealers, talking with customers and doing farm shows. Jared, what are you seeing out there? <laughs> well, Mike covered a lot and seeing a lot of the same stuff, but I would say just a, a general statement of what I'm seeing is is everything's bigger. Um, seems like grain storage. Uh, you know, when I started, it seems like we sold a lot of 10-inch augers, a lot of 1070s, you know, 1080s, and it seems like now guys are just building all building 50, 60,000 bushel bins. You know, storage is definitely on the rise. So a lot of big stuff. 90 foot, 110 foot augers are getting into some 16-inch augers. Just seems like everything is uh, getting so much bigger. The volume is is going up on grain like crazy. That's that's why we're seeing so much. The volume, along with prices, we're just seeing a huge jump in like like baggers. We're just selling lots of baggers lately. It's really versatile storage. Um, same with it ties back to when I said like 110 foot conveyors used for bunkers. You know, we've seen that business go up tremendously just just on the sheer volume that we've been seeing. So, um, it, it's a good time to be in grain handling right now because there's a lot of grain to handle. As you look out and look at the customer base that you service, I'm talking like the end user here. What are, what are some of the niche marketplaces that you feel that your products are going to serve? Yeah, so some of the niche, I guess, the niche markets we've seen. Um, so as far as some of the, I know you guys got some feedlots out there and we've got a few feedlots here in central Nebraska too. We've been noticing uh, some of those, some of the guys running roller mills, these high capacity roller mills that are, you know, I don't know, 10 to 14,000 bushels an hour roller mills. So one of the niche markets we've seen is our, our it's a product called the 2045 grain belt. Uh, We've been selling a lot of them to these guys running these big roller mills because uh, the grain's typically super, you know, super high moisture stuff. Augers don't handle it well, take lots of horsepower to move it uh, fast and efficiently, I guess. So guys have been running our belts into these in these roller mills. And uh, it's funny you say just niche market because that's the first thing that came to mind that when we envisioned our belts, we didn't really think of anything on the cattle side. Um, but yeah, just feeding these roller mills and it's, it's quite a sight seeing, seeing this, uh, these things get fed with our belt. Mike, give me, give an example of, uh, some stuff you see out there as far as, you know, some, some corner of the marketplace where you see your product really standing out and performing well. Yeah. When you think about our products, I guess I'll go back to our belts, uh, where we've got, uh, you know, a full line of belted products that give you gentle handling. So if you're growing, uh, sensitive uh, crops, like any of your seed crops um, that are going to need to be handled without getting cracked, without getting broken, uh, you can definitely get a premium uh, for those. Also, we're seeing a lot of pulse crops, lentils, chickpeas, that sort of thing that also need gentle handling. And so uh, we're selling a lot of belts into those markets. And uh, so guys that, uh, you know, had traditionally grown wheat uh, in some areas are given a try to uh, some of these uh, pulse crops 
So that's been a real interesting one for us and uh, one where our, our belted products perform really well. Now, I'm kind of curious on, uh, you know, for used equipment, right? You see a guy upgrading from a class seven to a class eight combine. How does that impact the rest of his grain handling system? What do you see in, on your side, Casey, when you talk to a guy about making that jump? It's probably on a used combine when he's first making that uh, move. But what, what are the downstream impacts? All right. So when I, what I see happen there is a lot of things take place. So they have to get a lot bigger equipment across the board. So you're looking at if they go from a, the S-series combine, there, there are significant differences between each class now. Not that there wasn't before, but they're more significant now than they were, right? So the difference between a, an S770 and an S780 and an S790 are, are, are big enough to where you can't run a, you know, a, I mean, you can, but, but you're not doing it any service. But, you know, you can put a, a 40-foot flex draper now on a, <clears throat> on a Class 8 combine and, and run at a pretty significant speed and be very efficient in the field. Um, some of the, you know, nine series, the class nine series combines, you're looking at, you know, 45 plus foot heads out there running around. You're looking at 12, you know, going from 12, uh, row corn heads to 16 row corn heads, what that looks like. Now there's some companies out there that have got even bigger, bigger yet, you know, you're looking at 24 row, uh, heads and stuff like that. So, um, as their combine grows they're, their support equipment has to do the same thing. Otherwise, they're just they're, they're losing efficiency in the field and they can't, you know, you know, move the grain like they need to move it from, from the field to the truck to the elevator or to the on-farm uh, on storage or whatever it is they're doing. So as you start looking at all the different facets that, that take place, when a guy does jump up in size and combine and they don't really, they kind of have to slowly start increasing the size of their support equipment to to do that and and that's that's where uh that's where a lot of guys are are probably seeing a pinch you know they ran two seven ninety seven seventies you know and now they might be running one s680 you know in this place because it's going to be doing about the same not quite the same level of efficiency that you that you saw beforehand so um if you're not meeting that demand you're not being efficient in the field, and if you're not being efficient in the field, you're not. You're probably losing money somewhere. So there is some. Uh, I've noticed that <clears throat> since the first of the year, that grain carts have been a a hotter item than uh, than I've probably seen in a while, um, and not so much at any price. But I mean, you're looking at a lot of different um, avenues there where. The grain cart is something that they are upgrading, not because of, you know, the, when they have us worn out. It's just because they need the more more capacity. They're going from a, you know, a, whatever a thousand bushel grain cart to a twelve hundred bushel grain cart or a eight hundred fifty bushel grain cart up to a thousand bushel grain cart. They need that extra capacity so they can keep things moving, and uh, we're we're seeing that happen out there. Yeah, you don't right. Want to yeah. Let your- Go ahead, Mike. You don't want to let your thirty thousand dollar auger uh, stop your three hundred thousand dollar combine from harvesting. Yeah, you know you have a finite amount of time with a combine to use it. You know, and if you're cutting wheat, I mean the average wheat guy is going to be ten days or so probably, and and, and then you've got a, probably about thirty days worth of of uh, fall harvest. So you're looking at forty, maybe fifty days 
if you're an owner operator type, um, to utilize a, a $300,000 to $450,000 machine. So you need to make sure you're maximizing that time when it's out there. Right. Yeah. It doesn't seem like too many carts uh, are sold less than a thousand bushels this, these days. And it, it seems like that 12, 1300 bushel cart is, uh, is, is getting more and more popular. What I've noticed is that when you take a look at the landscape right now, the, for the most part, the, the biggest part of, uh, the growth that we see in farm right now is on that, that what we'd call like a large or mega size operation. Um, the, the 3000 acre guy is, uh, kind of getting squeezed out because for the most part, there's not enough revenue that gets generated on, on there to support two brothers or two sisters or a brother and sister or dad and, and a son or whatever it is. There's, <clears throat> there's a big struggle there that there's, that you're seeing happen. So a lot of these large farms are getting larger. And then what you see on the other side of the spectrum is the acreage guy, you know, the, the guy or the gal that's out there buying the uh, the 200 to 500 acres or the 100 acres or the 40 acres or whatever it is, that's kind of really exploding as well. So um, as these large operators get bigger, um, the size of equipment is either in, you, you got to, you know, you hate to say it's got to get bigger, but in your guy's opinion, how much bigger can equipment get before it gets too big? Well, I'll, I'll tune in. I, I think it can get bigger to a certain extent, but we are we are limited on the size. And I think the focus is going to be on faster, faster, more efficient. Because um, I, I think at some point you got to be, you got to hit the limit of sheer size as far as, you know, you got road regulations, uh, you know, just lots of stuff as far as transporting the stuff. And as, like I said, as these farms get bigger, they get spread out too. So there's more of a need to, uh, move machinery up and down the road so i think there's a limit to how big you can get and i think we're approaching that pretty quick i mean we make a we make a 125 foot auger and it doesn't tow down the road or it tows down the road straight fine but if you have to make a turn it gets a little tricky so i would say you know speed and efficiency is is where it's going to start turning i don't know what you have to say on mike about that mike yeah, I guess the word that I would look toward is smarter, right? So we're seeing that with the combine. We're seeing the data coming into this. So, yeah, you can get bigger, you can get faster, or you can get smarter, right? Maybe that means smaller and running uh, smarter, right? Uh, more autonomy, uh, more help from your uh, electronics and computers to uh, to make this work. But the logistics piece is still going to be there, right? Every bushel uh, that you increase per acre you've got to move that you've got to do something with it so you know um looking outside the box uh, a grain bagger might seem uh, like a temporary storage or like it's a little out there but uh, does something like that fit just to eliminate the logistics piece as you're working in that limited time window so i think there's some interesting things that uh, people are going to have to consider or reconsider on how do i uh, how do i work smarter because we can't uh, can't get much bigger and uh not sure at what uh what speed we're going to be able to ultimately land at but i think that there's some opportunities to work smarter all right so one of my favorite things to talk about is autonomy you know so when you uh to your point you're right i mean guys have to start working smarter they have to start thinking big about how they're going to not only adjust for the uh you know the distance between fields that they have to either plant or harvest or whatever it is they're doing, but also 
the number of bodies they're going to need to to do all that with, right? So how do you feel like, uh, how do you feel autom- uh, autonomous tractors and combines and those kind of things are going to start playing into the future of agriculture? Yeah, I think it's going to be huge. Like you were saying, uh, the, the extra large producer uh, seems to be growing in popularity and getting larger. You've got economies of scale with your buying power, with uh, seed fertilizer equipment, uh, with the, uh, the way you can utilize your equipment on the land. And uh, so as we, as we move into more autonomy, um, you know, it's going to uh, just really make us rethink how we uh, are doing things today versus how we'll be doing them 10 years from now. And I, I don't know what that uh, magic answer is, but uh, it'll be interesting to to watch the autonomy and uh, see what sort of support pieces you need uh, in place that uh, serve that autonomy well. Jared, you got anything you want to throw in there? I'm not- I would, I would just say, I think, personally, I think it's going to happen really fast once it gets going. Uh, technology just needs to exponentially grow. So all I'd have to say is I, I think it's going to happen fast. Uh, um, I, I wouldn't give a year estimate, but I, I just think it's going to ha- happen faster than we're expecting. I think once that, you know, those first units really get become really, really practical, um, it's just going to... It's going to grow and it's going to happen fast. Are either one of you familiar with a company called SmartAg? No, what do they do? I'm not. So they've actually, they have a, a tractor now that's available to start taking orders now for uh, for next year. And they have built a system that fits into a tractor and it makes it completely autonomous. You don't have to be in it to drive it. And it it's a grain cart system. So it's a, it's a system that basically runs between the combine and the grain trailer on the semi. And it, it knows... You know, the difference between standing corn and people run out in front of it and whatever else. There's all kinds of cool stuff that it does. So um, check it out. It's a yeah. We've been been seeing concepts on those sorts of things for lots of years, right? At farm shows and uh, videos uh, from engineering groups and whatnot, uh, but haven't seen that uh, commercially take off yet check that out that, that's a that's a legit they got dealers you know they're working on a dealer network and they're doing the whole thing so they have they have a product that's uh for all intents and purposes ready to roll out to the public pretty cool so is that interesting uh, yeah, yeah is that something you guys are engaged in or how does that impact your business is it displacing a, an 8r tractor no i don't think it's going to displace a, a tractor for anything i, I think what it's going to do and this is my personal opinion. I, I think a lot of this stuff, a lot of this technology, and this, again, my opinion, so take it for what it's worth, but I think a lot of this technology you see here is driven so much by the, the labor shortage that we see right now when it comes to ag uh, in the U.S. Um, that this kind of technology is going to be not necessarily the mega farmer that's got a whole you know, workforce that, that comes out every day and, and does what they need to do. This is going to be more for the guy that's got a hired hand in himself. And for whatever reason, the hired hand goes and does something else or whatever it is. This is a great fit. He can go out and run the combine all day and all night and do whatever he wants to do and have the tractor just going back and forth. But he's got to make sure it needs, you know, make sure it's full of diesel fuel when it's out running. So um, I really think that's where the foothold is going to come in there at. Um to start with initially to start with and then it's going to spread out to to other uh other aspects of the business but um 
I don't know. I, th- I just think the labor issue is where we're going to see a lot of this this drive come from. You know, you're starting to see stuff like, uh, oh, what was it, Husker Harvest Days? And I, I can never remember what it's called, but it was like the combine grain cart combination thing. The tribine. Tribine, that's it. That's easy yeah. to remember, too. I don't know why I can't. I struggle every time <laughs> to remember what that thing's called. But it's uh, something like that, you know, where you have, I mean, the concept there is you're going to go out, you're going to cut, and you've got a, a 1,500 bushel grain cart behind you. You're going to fill that up, and then you're going to go dump in the trailer. Well, those two things combined, you've made yourself pretty efficient. You see what I'm saying? Right. That's really how I think this whole thing is really going to start taking off and really start kind of take hold and go because we have to do so much more with so much less, um, whether it's labor or land or whatever, all that stuff matters. Right. Another thing to think about, it'll be interesting to see, is some of this automation, how it will affect the dealers like you guys, as far as you might have as much service work uh, being done behind a computer versus being in the shop. It'd be interesting to see how that, how that evolved. We've had that conversation um, just kind of ad hocly here, you know, really kind of looking at that. And, you know, I, I get accused of being too far thinking sometimes and in, in, in the way I, the way I look at stuff, but if stuff becomes automated, you're going to have to start kind of really thinking about, why, why do I need to have a tractor come by my house? Why do I need to own one? You know, why do I need to own that tractor when it can run 24-7, 365? Um, you know, there might be a fleet of just tractors that are just, you know, you rent it for the time that you use it, and, and then you send it back, and then it goes, you know, wherever. And, um, you know, things like that are going to start playing into into the overall effect. Just like cars, you know, if, you, if a car is completely automated and all you have to do is push a button and the car shows up at your house, you know, I made that pretty simple. But, I mean, if that's the concept, do I really need to own one? I mean, why do I need to own a car if I can just say I want a car to take me here, you know? Now, granted, there's some logistical right. things that kind of play into that when you're looking at rush hours and all those different things, but big thinking, you know. Yeah, that is probably what you're seeing in self-propelled sprayers, right? So right. Uh, yeah. you're probably seeing more guys own those because the windows are so short and uh, they can't get everything done in the amount of time that they need to, and it becomes a... Uh, a situation where it's uh, critical for them to, to own that piece of equipment and not put their uh, crop in someone else's hands at that point in the season. Right. No, that's, that was where you saw the explosion of the uh, self-propelled sprayer market in, in the, you know, mid early two thousands, you know, that's when you really saw that take off. And that's what that was for. You know, you started seeing uh, a lot of issues that were popping up in crops and, and the co-ops just didn't have enough machines or uh, over again, manpower to run the machines right so if you don't have to worry about manpower do you need to own a con do you need to own a sprayer to spray your crop if there's just an unlimited number of sprayers running around out there you know because you don't have to worry about people right you see what i'm saying brant actually used to be uh we were in the pull pipe sprayer business and ironically in the mid to late 2000s is when we exited that for uh for the self propelled and that's where that that's what you started seeing in that time frame the number of self-propelled sprayers versus the guys that were trading into to wheeled sprayers, you saw a big explosion there. Where there, there was a, a while there where the the pull type sprayer wasn't it was an issue for used equipment guys, because where where do you go with the used sprayer, right. a used pull type sprayer that there's really not a market for anymore, and that that was a that was a tough a tough segment there for a little while. Yes, thank, thank goodness we were diversified when it came <laughs> to pull type sprayer. Right on. Anything else you guys want to hit on before we shut it down? 
Yeah, no, I think we've, we've hit the highlights and appreciate you uh, having us on. I'm excited uh, to see what uh, becomes of the U.S. for, for Brandt. I think we've got a lot of really good things ahead and excited to be partnered with uh, fantastic organizations uh, like yourselves. No, and, and we, uh, we look forward to the future as well. And I think you guys make a hell of a product that I think fits a uh, pretty good uh, pretty good segment of our marketplace. So, okay, well, if guys want to reach out to either one of you or find more information out about uh, Brandt Agriculture Products, how would they do that? Yeah, a few different ways. Uh, you can uh, get more information uh, about our products or get a hold of us. So uh, you can visit the website at brandt.ca, like Canada, so B-R-A-N-D-T dot C-A. You can call our uh, 800 number at 888-2-B-R-A-N-D-T. Uh, or you can uh, get a hold of me uh, directly via email at M-L-O-U-X at Brandt.ca. Or uh, call my cell phone. That'd be fun. Uh, 303-968-4019. Yeah. And uh, if you're in Nebraska or Colorado, or, or I guess really anywhere I can help you out, uh, you can contact me at numbers 308-389-1585. And also my email is jmack, J-M-A-C-K, at brandt.ca. I'd like to thank you guys for being on the podcast, and I wish you guys the best of success here in, in the North American marketplace down here in the United States. And uh, we'll talk to you here in the future. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us on, Casey. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, the premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America get a grip well that's going to do it for this edition of the moving iron podcast i'd like to thank mike and jared for being a guest in this episode remember if you want to continue any of these conversations you can hit me up on facebook twitter or instagram at moving iron llc or you can send me an email at moving iron podcast at moving ironpodcast.com you can also visit moving iron podcast youtube channel and here you can find the morning market roundup with chip nellinger and tax moves with glenn birnbaum please visit moving iron llc here you can find information for the 2018 moving iron summit in las vegas past and current episodes of the Moving Iron podcast, and articles from Moving Iron blog. Throughout the year, there'll be guest bloggers writing on the topics from their point of view. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Moving iron in the 21st century Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher, time and time again. Through the years, you'll find us here.